On this week's episode of the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I share my interview with Jessica Bradis. She's a bike fitter. She owns a bike fit studio in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Fit Me. I'm excited this week on the show to share my interview with Jess, who does uh, bike fitting professionally for a living uh, out of her fit studio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, she has a lot of experience and is like actually uh, done quite a few courses and things to learn how to be a great bike fitter. She also sells uh, a fair amount of handmade bikes through companies like Seven Cycles and Waterford. So someone might come to her fit studio and get uh, fit and measured up and then have a discussion with her about you know their, their riding needs and where they want to go. And then they can place an order for a custom bicycle uh, and, and they get it. And so there's this emphasis on fit, but it is still a custom bike process. And so usually the guests on this show are people who uh, you know, have, have taken upon themselves to, to learn the craft of making and, you know, the fabrication work of building bicycles. Uh, but I think, uh, obviously, uh, fit and design are all very relevant and whether or not you make it yourself is sometimes beside the point, uh, to how well it works for the customer. And so, uh, I think it's pretty cool that she has a very similar, but a different experience or a different vantage point over a similar purview as like a lot of my guests. Uh, so I think it's cool to ask her some of these questions. I think I've been a little bit too much of a fit skeptic at points. Not that uh, bike fit warrants that much skepticism, but I guess I've seen it done uh, in an amateur sort of way a little too often. And uh, certainly not by folks like her, uh, but you know, just your your sort of... Uh, garden variety, um, bike shop, you know, Saturday afternoon, somebody wants to get fit for their hybrid bike or something. And, um, and so like when it comes to, you know, actually like the serious application of the understanding of the body and assessing someone's needs and fitting, I think that's really important. And I also think there are a ton of bike frame builders who really ought to study bike fit more, including myself, uh, to the extent that I'm designing and building bikes for anyone, um, un- understanding all of these things that Jess is uh, talking about in this interview, I think are really pretty important. And um, and you can study this stuff and you can learn this stuff. And, uh, and I think it's worth doing if you're going to be designing and building bikes um, to know how the body works. And so I'm uh, glad to have her on the show as a point of reference and a uh, sort of a resource, hopefully. And then also to talk about the Handmade Bike Show that y'all should definitely uh, come to in May. And um, yeah, so what, uh, I asked her how, uh, how she got started with Bike Fit, and, um, and that's where our interview begins. So like any good liberal arts uh, major, I ended up in bicycle retail and um, was really passionate about cycling my senior year of college. I got into it kind of, kind of late, I don't know, relatively Um and I wish I had been into cycling so much earlier because I grew up in northern Michigan and there are some awesome trails up there that I just missed out on. But um, I got into cycling, got a job at a bike shop. I was so honored. Couldn't believe that they hired me because I really didn't know anything when I started working there. And um, I was teaching English as a second language part-time and working at the bike store part-time. 
And eventually, the bike store won, and they said, hey, Jess, are you going to stick around in Auburn? You seem to really like working here. And I said, oh, heck yes. And they said, well, would you like to go to professional bike school? And I thought that that sounded like a lovely idea. So it wasn't something I was seeking. Um, it just was a part of a part of my uh, unbeknownst to me life plan. And uh, I went up to FitKit level one and two with Richard Schwinn and Chris Nur from FitKit Systems. Um, he has since retired, but um, there's a nice guy named John that took over, and they're doing a great job, by the way. Um, so that's how I got started. And after some time using the FitKit system, I started to realize that I didn't have enough tools in my arsenal to really help people that were coming back with more complex issues. And um, at that point, it was, I think it was like a year later, the bike shop sent me to Serata. Um, Serata, what do you call it? Now, I think it's the same thing as it was back then, Serata Cycling Institute. Um, and then after some time, they sent me to the Body Geometry Fit School Level 1, 2, and 3. And I was one of the first 20 people to pass the master something, something. <laughs> it's like really a long title. It's like Certified Masters Body Geometry Fit Technician, something like that. Um, I think they call it something else now. But uh, I got to study in, um, like, well, directly under Dr. Andy Pruitt, which was cool. He was my proctor. It was very nerve-wracking. Um, the exam was a five-hour-long exam, and it was probably, at the time, the, the industry's highest standard um, for bike fitting because at the end of the day, and I think you kind of touched on this in your email, it's, it's not an accredited school, and it, we're, we're all just experts kind of making things up in a process of discovery and teaching it in a way that starts out as a standardized process, but the deeper you go into it, the more or the, the more convoluted or the more gray it becomes. It's not just a black and white process. You can't, it, you know, you can't adhere to the same rules or the same angles for every body. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm getting a little bit off, off of the first question, but well, um, I definitely want to talk about that. And so, yeah, the, the more I'm in this profession, um, the more complicated it gets. And the more options there are, uh, the more I see, the more I kind of uh, grow my, my depth of knowledge, and it, it becomes less black and white. So when you first start fitting, they teach everyone gets a 30-degree knee bend. Well, now, 30 degrees of knee flexion, that's at the bottom of the pedal stroke. That's really 150 degrees if you're measuring the, the actual angle. Um, it's, it's quite high. And a lot of people aren't functional at that saddle height. You see a lot of uh, hip rocking, um, unstable foot and ankle. And we found that lowering to something like 35, maybe 38, sometimes even 40 degrees, which is way off the book, uh, is way more functional for that rider. So you might see a picture of someone and say, oh, man, that seems too low. But you don't know anything about that person. You don't know about that rider. You, You don't know about their functionality, what's comfortable for them and what works for them. So as a fitter, it's really my job to listen to my client, observe them, mm-hmm. and make the bike the least offensive it can be, the most efficient and comfortable and appropriate for what they're looking to do. Mm-hmm. So, And that's different for different people. Some people might be bikepacking, um, going on a long tour, and they need a more upright position. Um, there, you know, there are considerations for people who are doing 
longer rides that are endurance racing, they're going to have more weight on their feet and their pedals. So they can maybe sustain a lower handlebar position because they have more weight on their pedals and less on their hands, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I really went off in there. <laughs> no, well, I think that's you have good because it, it shows yeah, so how <laughs> serious and passionate you are about the details and about the getting it right of it. Um, you know, where I asked, uh, you know, how did you get into it? You can't help but talk about uh, all of the different schools of thought and the, the way that things have changed and how you learned about it, which I feel like is yeah. a good sign uh, that it's a, it's a good and interesting fit for you. Yeah, it's, I find it fascinating. When I was growing up, I really wanted to be a chiropractor. Uh-huh. And uh, so this is, I mean, in a sense, um, gives me the same kind of joy and excitement that the idea of chiropractic work did when I was a child. Um, I come in to work and I don't really know what's going to be on my plate. Uh, I don't know what, what I'm going to be presented with, with the bodies that I see in the bikes that are under them. And it's, it's kind of... Um, like playing detective for every bike that comes in. Um, and I try to get out of my own, my own biases um, for how, you know, I like to ride or I like to be positioned, which how I like my handlebars to be tilted. I really try to keep an open mind and let my clients explore their position, um, give them an opportunity. So my fit process is uh, exploratory. Uh, <laughs> I like to give, people the actual options I don't like to impose fit on them I like to give them a variety of options to try and um, rule out the bad ones and zero in on the best position mm-hmm. so yeah um, you mentioned the second question that you emailed me yeah. was with a little bit of anxiety uh, producing <laughs> for me yeah. it was basically like why is bike fit relevant or how can you trust mm-hmm. um how can you trust a bike fit how can you trust yeah. a fitter can i give some context um, for that Cause, yeah cause and my, oh yes <laughs> so yeah. my, my context is that like uh having worked at different bike shops a couple times and known different people I feel like there's a thing where there's in a local bike shop, sometimes you'll have someone with no particular credential or experience doing bike fits. And, um, you know, they're not maybe, you know, saying that they're a super expert, but anyway, I've noticed on more than one occasion that part of the dynamic that makes that work is just being like extra confident when you talk to it. Yeah. And just like, basically like your customer is worried that they are doing it wrong and they want to be alleviated mm-hmm. of that worry, they maybe don't need like a world-class yeah. fit. And so what I would see was like someone performing a quote fit and like it didn't, I, I just didn't really believe it, but like they were really selling it to the customer. And, and then yeah. there's that dynamic. And then there's another thing, which is that I think, um, you know, what one person says and what another person says for the ideal fit, maybe don't always agree with each other. But I do think that there is a place for obviously people who are, uh, have studied this a lot and who care and who are trying to help people. And so like, I'm just interested in like, um, you know, what does it look like when you actually, uh, have prepared to do the work and you have the experience and like, um, I don't know, like, I I guess I'm skeptical of like the amateur fitter, um, uh, being like extra and I would be too or, exactly I would be too and so like yeah, so I, maybe I didn't word that in the question. most uh, appropriate way but yeah like I don't know like what is it that you think uh 
uh, it's, I mean, I would imagine it's mostly like listening skills and then it's also the, what, what is it that really makes a good fit? That's a really good question. Oh man, what is it that makes a good that's, fit? That's what I should have asked. That's a way more straightforward. Uh, yeah. Way. <laughs> so I guess like the, the outcome, you know, there's it's a multi-part question. Um, there's the, the input, which is the process. Um, so you, you nailed it. Listening, listening is paramount to having a good fit, um, or having a good outcome, but the process should start with, with some, with an interview. That's really important. Um, when someone comes into the studio, I ask them, what, what do they want to get out of their fit session? Uh, what do they want, they want to end up with and what is the goal? Is it to alleviate a nagging issue that they're having? Is it, they're not, is it that they don't have any issues? And they just want to be checked out because they hear that they should do this thing. Um, what what other things? Uh, so so I guess the input would be the process, listening to someone, observing their body. I look at the body before I put someone on the, the bike. I spend some time with their feet. I look at the flexibility of their spine, their hamstrings, their hips, basic stuff. But um, cycling doesn't require a huge range of motion. So. I'm going to say flat out, I think that there's some smoke and mirrors um, in the marketing of BikeFit. There's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of fluff out there. And I think that even within like the organic process of what we teach fitters to do with the pre-fit assessment, like all these body assessments, some of them are a little superfluous, um, especially for someone who is not a medically trained person, who's not in the medical field. They're not, they're not a clinician. So um, some of these things, maybe fitters, you know, they're, they're stepping out of their wheelhouse sometimes. Um, and, and some of it's not relevant. Um, do you need to be able to, you know, put your foot behind your head to ride a bicycle? Do you need that level of flexibility? Absolutely not. So just kind of getting a general idea of someone's hamstring flexibility, what, what their neutral bend is like, um, gives you a good idea of what, what's going to be natural for them on the bike. Um, for example, if someone has really tight hamstrings and you don't know that, and like, unless you do a, um, an assessment, even just something simple like a forward bend, um, you might notice on the bike that uh, they, they pedal differently at the same saddle height with someone who with the same insane who has looser or more flexible hamstrings. So those two people with the same exact leg length or inseam are going to have two different saddle positions just based on their connective tissues mm-hmm. and muscle flexibility. So kind of knowing, I guess, having a depth of knowledge that allows you to see that, recognize that, and apply that to the fit, so that you're setting that person up for success, that that's one of the outcomes. And then having a position that someone can ride in for the duration and the, the level of intensity that they want to put out um, like in a holistic view, that's a successful bike fit. And so you don't want things happening like hands falling asleep, uh, feet going numb, body parts going numb, um, one butt cheek that really hurts, uh, unilateral saddle sores, so saddle sores on one side of the body that are consistent. Um, all these things can be addressed with bike fit. Sometimes you need a one-two punch with um, some body rehab or PT or a medical clinician to come in and work with the body because BikeFit will not save <laughs> will not save everyone. You know, not a miracle worker, yeah. but um, a lot of times you can solve solve problems like 
feeling like you're pedaling with the outsides of your feet more. Like you have a lot of pressure on the outside of your foot. That's one that I, I love solving because it's a semi-common issue that people don't really think is related to bike fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just think that they're holding their foot in the wrong position. And that's, that's always an interesting one. So there are some things that are surprising me, um, you know, addressable with bike fit. And then there's also the, the other side that sometimes the body needs a little bit of help. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I think uh, the best I can do for a lot of this interview is to like set you up to explain <laughs> uh, all these things that are super duper fascinating to me about the, the way the body fits on the bike. And it made me think of another question, which I didn't give you a heads up for, but I think you'll do a good job with it, which is that uh, I think a lot of, so like a lot of people, when they talk about custom bikes, they'll, they'll like w- one common sort of justification is that, oh, like it, it, you know, it's a, it's custom fit to you. So it rides better. It fits your body better. And then the counterpoint to that is that a lot of people will argue that like 90% or some high percentage of people don't actually need a custom bike for it to fit their body. Right. Mm, what, what has, what has yeah, been your finding over the years? Cause you do sell a lot of sevens and waterfords and and different like handmade bikes uh is Mm -hmm. is there a fashion component is there an actual uh fit component is you know like uh yeah 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 absolutely so you mean for someone who's an off the peg sort of rider right someone who can just take take a size off the peg and they're they're of average proportion average flexibility they might fit uh a Trek Madone just fine or some, you know, some yeah. kind of, uh, that's an argument. Bike. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would be a reason to have a handmade bike or a, a custom, um, made, made to measure a bespoke bike? Um, well, I love that question. So the first thing that I like to tell people is the center of mass and your wheels will be in the right spot. So on that example, 54 centimeter Trek Madone, um, Say that fits, but what what size stem and what bar uh, are you riding with that bike? Is it an ideal handling stem? Is it does it fit when you have an eighty millimeter stem, or does it ride great when you have a hundred and ten millimeter stem? Um, I would argue that you want a stem that is somewhat proportional to the rider, proportionate to the rider. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like for example, like I I have long leg, short torso. So I'm not, I'm not the, the example that you're talking about, but I'll never know what it's like to, to ride 110 millimeter stem, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, I'm just never going to get to know that. Um, but say you have a bike, you have a bike off the shelf. It's meant to fit a variety of people. Like they're trying to maximize the amount of people ranges that will fit that, that one size. And they're usually trying to make the least amount of sizes possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's that. But the person riding that 54 track with a 110 millimeter stem and a 90 millimeter stem, they're gonna feel different handling with that bike. Yeah. So, a manufacturer such as yourself um, might optimize that 54 millimeter frame with, say, a 10 centimeter stem for that 90 millimeter stem rider. And maybe they get a slightly different reach on the frame and they get to ride with a slightly longer stem. And then you also get to look at things like front center, how, how far out the front wheel is from the bottom bracket 
and Rear Center, which I'm actually learning more about Rear Center. It's not, I'm, I'm more focused in on Center because that's, that's kind of been my focus for the last 10 years. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, like Front Center has, in my opinion, so much to do with how the bike handles. Some would argue it's even more important than trail. I don't know, but I'm not a frame designer. Um, so that, that is, I, I like to put the bike under the body or, or get the body in the best position. And then I leave the frame design to a frame engineer who's going to really optimize where those wheels are under the body. So that's point number one. Um, the wheels will be in the optimal spot. So your center of mass will be balanced. The turning or the handling of the bike is going to be optimized. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're an off the peg kind of person and then you can use tubing that is tuned for that rider's weight. Yeah. So that's another cool thing. So you can really, you can customize the compliance of the bike, how stiff you want it to be, um, how, how soft and compliant you want it to be. Is it, uh, for a really lightweight rider, you can use lighter flexier tubing maybe. Um, so that kind of thing. And then it can aesthetically look the way you want it to. That's yeah. another thing that's, it's not insignificant. Um, maybe you want a, a traditional looking frame with a horizontal top two. Maybe it's achievable with your foot. Maybe it's not. <laughs> Side note, sometimes that's just not achievable. Um, but all of those reasons. So center of mass, fit, tubing, that, yeah. those are my my macro points for why why custom if you're kind of an, if you could just get a regular bike. Yeah. But, um, And yeah. I like your take on it as a bike fitter, I think is especially valuable Uh to me because i usually live in a pretty like the um <laughs> echo chamber of uh frame builder people uh right so it's uh it's valuable to get outside opinion from someone uh yeah a different vantage point yeah. i remember in the frame building yeah. class i took my instructor doug faddock was saying that uh you know th- this is more and less true at different companies probably but that for the sake of liability, a lot of times they build, uh, you know, whatever size, whatever model frame so that a linebacker could ride it down a set of stairs without breaking. And so, uh, (laughs) if you're really lightweight and you're not going to trash it, uh, you might appreciate, uh, you know, lighter, lighter gauge tubing and smaller diameters and maybe be more appropriate, uh, in order to have the right characteristics or something, but you're not going to experience that necessarily on a production bike that's built to, to cover yeah. the size range of, of people who might uh, throw a leg over. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Do you use bike CAD? Ah, so that is a great question. Um, I, I love bike CAD Brent. Um, got a great product, but I do not use bike CAD myself. Um, so some, some fitters do, and I hope that they really know what they're doing. It's, it's a, it's a cool tool. But in my professional work, I don't, it's not really, it's not my job. Yeah. Um, my job is to, to get the body, to find the contact points. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that regard, I stay in my lane. I'm an expert on bike fit, but I'm not an expert in frame design. So, and I know, when, I know enough, <laughs> enough to be dangerous, I guess what they say, but I know enough when there's red flags, if, you know, um, I'm looking at yeah. something like, mega toe overlap and stuff like that but um the the people that i work with they're they're all pretty knowledgeable and i i very rarely see a red flag but um it's it's so that's my job Mm -hmm. and uh then the frame designer um 
that's their job to design the frame that's going to handle the way it should, that's going to have the, the trail and the front center that's going to you know, optimally handle for that person mm-hmm. and their weight and the way they ride. Um, so it's kind of like, I'm very pro bike cat, but I'm not necessarily pro bike cat fitters. I don't yeah. think, um, I think that there are some fitters out there that are designing bikes that shouldn't, you know, they, they have a bike cat drawing and they say, Hey, build this. Mm-hmm. And they might end up with a really wacky handling bike. Yeah. If that's not their, their, yeah. uh, expertise level, you know? What so is it's, the, it's um, like, Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, what what is the uh, like the most effective way when you hand off fit figures and dimensions to other folks? Like, how do you? What's the best way to communicate that? Is there a software involved in your process, or do you uh, do you make like a? How do you how do you communicate that to other people? Yeah, yeah. Like, how how do I communicate fit coordinates to builders? Or yeah, because I mean, you can um, you can save all these rider parameters and fit points and stuff within BikeCAD, so you mm-hmm. could flesh out like the fit side of that and send that to someone. But if yeah. you're not doing any of the design work, maybe it doesn't make any sense to do that in BikeCAD. I was just I'm curious because I'm always such a big fan of BikeCAD, and so I know you could do the preliminary fit stuff and then hand it off to someone else to then continue using the same file or there'd be all sorts of other ways. What do you use to like communicate that information? So I like to keep things streamlined across all my devices in the cloud. And I just use a really simple form. It's like an Excel form, but I use Apple numbers. And I had someone um, who's more savvy than I at those things uh, create a, a form and it has all of the fit parameters that you would need to design a custom bike. So basic things like saddle saddle um, length measurement, saddle setback from bottom bracket, tip of the saddle to the handlebars, or the center of the saddle to the handlebars, um, uh, reach measurement to the hoods, uh, handlebar XY, saddle rail XY. So I give you all of the measurements that are physical measurements from the bike, Mm-hmm. And um, those are easily, you know, transferred into a bike design. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't, yeah, maybe I should investigate using bike cabs as a fit tool. But mm-hmm. I just really like that everything is streamlined and integrated. If I'm at the airport and a client texts me, oh, my gosh, I'm looking at this bike on Facebook. Will it fit? <laughs> and I can just pull up <laughs> their numbers on my phone super fast in the app and see the X, Y's run a trig formula super fast while I'm waiting in line and say, yeah. yeah, you're nay. You know, that is, I uh, just like how streamlined and fast it is. That is an incredibly good answer to the question. Uh, I love, I love the way that you said, do you say run a trig function? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it sounds fancier than, I mean, you know, it sounds fancier than it is. I mean, it, it is trigonometry, but I'm plugging on numbers yep. into a trigonometry formula. Exactly. Um, so I'm not yeah. physically doing the math. You know, although I, I'd love to tell my teacher in high school I'm doing it. <laughs> it's isn't relevant. It so cool, though, I had four years of math in high school and I took through like calculus and, um, I yeah. didn't realize most of that stuff you learn, you know, how are you ever going to apply it? Like it's, it's mostly irrelevant and I learned it and I mostly forgot it. But, uh, years ago in the in machine shop, projects that I was doing I realized uh, the incredible yeah. incredible like smokes. everyday usefulness of trigonometry and how incredibly yeah. easy it is to do 
and it took me like 10 minutes to relearn it. And then I said, oh, this is why I should have remembered this. That's but awesome. Yeah, so yeah. your bike fit, of course. Find you know, the you... area of a washer. Yeah, that stuff is so, uh-huh. it's so relevant. I, I loved calculus back in the day. It, it was so I love that that real world, you know, potential for um, practical application. Yeah, I wish I remembered so. anything else from from complicated high school math other than I relearned trig, and that's about as far as I got. <laughs> um, so uh, before we run out of time here, uh, I just want to spend a couple minutes talking about the Ann Arbor Handmade Bike Show, uh, which has been every year in May for the last three or so years, and it's coming up again this May. It'll be May twentieth or so. Yes, it is May 20th, a Sunday. Sunday. Um, yeah, it's we start with a ride. Um, this is a terrible plug because I can't remember if the ride's at noon or at 2. I'm, I'm presuming the ride starts at noon. Mm-hmm. And um, then the show starts a couple hours later. And we do that because we have a small space and we share a parking lot with a, um, a, a diner <laughs> called Northside Grill and they close at 3. So the parking lot clears out. It's great. Um, there's more room. And uh, I love that it's a free event. Um, there are libations served. And we usually try to get a taco truck or something like that for um, the riders and people hanging out who need to be fed. And um, it's, a, it's as, I, as I like to uh, emphasize, it's a free event to um, share your wares and knowledge and product. Um, so it's it's a pretty cool event. Like the community, it's, it's really well received by the community. We get people from pretty far and wide, um, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New York. You came last year from, yeah. it, no, two years ago from, well, you came last year too. Um, yeah. From, you were in New York at that time, right? Yeah, I still, yeah, I'm in Syracuse, New York, but you see, May 20th oh, okay. is my mom's birthday and she's in Michigan. So it's a two for one. I can uh, I can Yay. go home to visit my mom for her birthday, which she's she loves, and I can go to this really cool small handmade bike show, which is like an absolute no brainer. And you know I had gone like three years ago, and then I went again last year. I skipped a year, and when I went again this last year, uh, I was just in my head. I was like, oh, it's this tiny little rinky dink show, but like I like the people, they're nice. And then I got there, and I was remembering how good it actually was. I don't know why I remembered it wrong. I was thinking of it as being like a smaller thing, but no, it was like packed. Like there was lots of people the whole time, lots of really gorgeous bikes. Um, I guess I just yeah. can't imagine that in Michigan or something. Cause I don't know why, but uh, anyway, it, 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 it knocked my socks off this year. How good it was. I had forgotten how, uh, how oh, successful thanks, an event it was. Yeah. The taco truck. It keeps getting and, better and better. Yeah. It keeps, it just keeps, it keeps getting better and better. And um, this year I think we're going to raffle off a gunner frame Whoa, and um, that is not the, a small raffle. That's awesome. Yeah, and we'll have a um, the the espresso guy will be back in full action this year. But it's a good time, uh, good conversation about bikes and geometry. Um, it's not there aren't you know seminars and workshops organized. Um, it's more about the people there um, who are showing their things. But um, yeah, I like the event. It's cool. It's so good. Yeah, I can't wait to come back again this year, and um, hopefully I'll have Thanks, some yeah. more stuff to show. But uh, it's just cool people and, and cool to see the bikes and everything. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's yeah. really rad and um, pretty pretty honored, I have to say. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I appreciate your unique perspective uh, being as in the custom bike world as you are, but still having like a separate sort of vantage point that I think a lot of uh, frame builders and frame builder types don't have that level of experience that you have with, with bike fit. So it's valuable contribution to the show to get your perspective. Thanks for making the time yeah. to, to be on. Thanks, Joe. I want to say one last thing for yes. people who are um, thinking about a custom bike or getting a handmade bike. If they don't have um, fit positionals really dialed in to give you, um, I just want to say that seeking out a professional fitter, um, if you're going to spend your money on bike fit, make sure it's with someone who uh, does it full-time, likely for a living. Um, you you tend to get the best service and the best result with someone who does it professionally, um, maybe all day, every day, or you know something close to that versus someone who does it. Um, yeah maybe once or twice a week um, yeah. as a side kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if you're going to spend the money, like, you want to you wanna go with someone who um, truly specializes in that. And there are more and more of us um, all of the time. So it's, it's a good time to be a bike rider and a bike fitter. I love that. Yeah. No, I think uh, what you were saying earlier is kind of selling me on the fact that I think I need a bike fit. Or, you know, do Yay. I, I don't know, like, you know, oh, like, I'm young and flexible. My body can conform to whatever. And it's like, yeah, but, like, I also love riding my bike. And uh, if there is even, like, a small gain that could come out of yeah. of a bike fit, that'd be cool. Not to mention, like, it'd be kind of a fun and educational process. I'm sure I'd learn something and I'd have more of an experience about uh, what that process is like to refer yeah. other people to. Well, maybe when you're in Michigan uh, after the show or before the show, not the same day, but um, <laughs> Lansing's not that far. We can arrange a bike fit yeah. and um, see what you get out of it. Yeah. I, I get a little bit chastised by my peers for this, but I have a money-back guarantee. Um, I like to kind of, it's, it's a little bit um, forward of me, um, but maybe a little risky, but uh, knock on wood, I haven't had to. Yeah take advantage of that <laughs> policy. But I like to, I like to just put it out there and say, listen, give me, give me a shot. You've never had a bike before or yeah. bike fit before. Come on down. And if it's not uh, an improvement, uh, if you don't see the benefits of this process, then I will gladly give you the money back. Yeah. And um, I just, I like having that because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy and it, it brings in the skeptics. And uh, so far it's been a really good positive awesome. response. Yeah, I like that. You know, you, you take someone's skepticism and then you smash it with a hammer. Bam! <laughs> Unwanted yeah, skepticism. Yeah. With a money-back guarantee. <laughs> yeah, no, I really would love to have one. I get knee pain on my one knee. It's like it's like right over the knee, like the hamstringers. Mm. I don't know what it is, but... If I go on a longer ride and I haven't been riding much, it's always like that is the weak link of my body. Uh, that, mm. that gets sore before anything else. And I would be interested, you know, this isn't the time, but like I would be interested in a proper fit session to learn more about that and to see solutions yeah. that could be found. Absolutely. Well, anyhow, cool. I'll, I'll let you get to, to being a cool rock star. Gotta go to band practice now. <laughs> cool. Thanks for making the time. See ya. All right. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye.